Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based out of Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. Now I'm Johnny Somers. Whoa, what? I just forgot how to say my own name. You said your last name like you were talking about Midsommar. I'm Johnny Somers. (laughs) Somers. Yeah. Welcome to your favorite podcast where we don't know our own names and the points don't matter. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Let's see. Oh my God. This is episode Um, 181 of this show, which is very exciting because in about 19 weeks, I get to say something I haven't said for maybe two years. So that's exciting. But Johnny, in the meantime, where can people find us on the internet? You haven't said this is episode 200 in two years? That's not what I'm going to say. What are you going to say? You know the thing I used to say all the time? What? I don't want to say it now because I feel like I ruined sort of the suspense because I haven't said it on, on air in a couple years. I don't remember. Come don't back in 19 you... weeks to find out what it is. It's not that yeah. big a deal. It's dumb. It's But you'll know it when I say it in however many months that is, in five months. Okay. And you'll be like, aha, I remember. Okay, or I won't, and you'll be just disappointed. <laughs> we'll see. I'm not going to remember saying this in five months, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's a long way away. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Until then, you can find us at places on the internet that I have to tell you before Max will let me talk about anything else. Yep. So those places are Instagram, Twitter, and Untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema. I've been updating the Untapped constantly, so love me, pay attention to me, and like my stuff, please. I need your validation. Uh, Facebook at Fresh Hop Cinema Pod, Letterboxd at Max Minardi, and at Johnny Summers. I've been doing better about updating that too, and Max is the best at it, so follow him and maybe follow me, I guess. Sweet. Uh, email us at fhccasts at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns regarding the content or the quality of this podcast. Uh, encouraging things, nice words, compliments, those are all encouraged. If you've seen any of the movies we watch, you drink any of the beers, for sure chime in. Uh, we like reading them, and sometimes we even read them on the show. Also, you can find us at freshhopcinema.com. That is our online home for all of our plethora of information. you got tons of beer reviews. There's the whole compendium of beers that we've ever done on the show that is getting populated by the day by our own young Maxwell. So go check that out because he needs the validation, and it's a cool list. Thank you. Uh, also, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. That is how we keep the wheels from falling off. You can support us for as little as a buck a week. It helps us keep this thing happening. If you don't know what Patreon is, you've been living under a rock. It's fine. It's a way that you can support artists creating content of multiple kinds. Obviously, for us, it's a podcast. And we appreciate all of our patrons. They get fresh bonus content every single week. And if we can ever hang out again, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you like what you're hearing, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. Tell your dog. And pet your cat. And just tell them you love us. Put a sticker on them. Do something. I don't know. Yeah, carve. I was gonna don't say. carve. Cut FHC into their hair. Like yeah, when you're, shave you're shaving in. your dog. <laughs> if we could have an official mascot, that'd be great. Yeah, and then just email us that photo. Uh, in addition, I feel like we just gave everybody a lot of information, and we do that every week. But I want to say I would be willing to bet that there's somebody listening right now on their iPhone through the podcast app that has not given us a five-star rating. And it's literally like two clicks away. So if you're hearing my voice right now and that sounds appealing and you want to do your boys a favor, just go on, click on our podcast, click the little five stars. We'd really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that's that's the amount of um, 
the amount of patience I have for my own groveling. So maybe we drink a beer. Let's do it. All right. What are we drinking? Our beer number one this week is provided by the most important person in the world. Me. <laughs> okay. I brought this back from Bend uh, from 4th of July weekend when I was up exploring. I was chasing waterfalls. Uh, I was trying to stick to the rivers and lakes I was used to. All right. All right. All right. But I I had to go chasing waterfalls. I found some beautiful ones, man. It was great. Uh, this is from Boneyard Brewing. It is called Hop Wheelie. That is a 7.5% IPA that came in six pack cans that they make themselves there at their brewery and sell right out of a handy little uh, snack bar style window because nobody's allowed inside anywhere. So I picked this up while I was there, brought it back, and uh, the wait, this just in. I'm getting some news in my ear. What's that? Oh, my bad. This beer is actually 7%. Thank you, guys in the truck. Massive research team really pulling it out. I appreciate it. They do a good job, man. They do good work. You know, the boys in the truck, they're really, they kill it, man. They keep us up to speed. Yeah. Uh, So this is brewed with Summit, CTZ, Apollo, and Cascade hops at 3.5 pounds per barrel. So that's a lot of hops. If an IPA and a Pilsner had a baby, they would have Hop a Wheelie. That sounds delicious. Can I read you what's on the can? Read me your cans. Let it be known. An elusive creature lurks on the desolate remote highways, driven by only one desire. Dare you challenge him in his quest for hops? Earthy, piney, and citrus hops compose the aromas and flavors of Hapawili. With a clean, crisp finish, there's nothing left to desire. Boom. Have you tried it yet, my friend? I have, but I'm going to try it again while you describe them the can. Yeah, so basically it's this big orange can. It's a wraparound label type can, so it's stuck on there. And there is... Go ahead. Oh, 12 ounce can. Fair enough. There you go. And there is a little green dude who is not human. He's got some sharp looking fangs and one big bulging eye on a motorcycle with Johnny. Help me out with those handlebars. They're called something. Those are chopper. It's like a chopper. Yeah. Those are, those are ape hangers. Cool. They're ape hangers. Great. And then his, he's got little exhaust pipes that are shooting out fire made of hops. And I think that's the most important. He's, he's burning rubber and he's got, obviously he's doing a wheelie. He's hopping a wheelie. Okay. Yeah. If you're familiar with any like 1950s on hot rod art, this is done in the style of Rat Fink. So it's like a major, major Rat Fink inspired label. That's kind of what drew me to it. Huh. I, I, I dig that style of like art. He was a really cool artist. You should look up his stuff and you will see like, oh yeah, hey, I, that makes total sense. Uh, so yeah, I have drank it and this beer is ginormously hoppy. One thing that I really appreciate Boneyard for is their commitment to the West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. They do some really good hazy stuff, but their wheelhouse, their hop a wheelie house, All right. dare I say. Nice. I'll take it. That's a good one. <laughs> is uh, is West Coast IPAs, man. They just crush the clear, bright, super hoppy game. And uh, I think this beer is pretty damn solid. Uh, it's real bitter, though. Like You have to be in the mood for a straight up like West Coast IPA, but I like it because it doesn't have, you know, some of like those Sierra Nevada, um, you know, uh, sh- not shortcomings, but like the traits of like when you think West Coast IPA, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some breweries get stuck in their groove. Like for sure, Lagunitas is stuck in a groove. Stone is stuck in a groove. Uh, all their beers kind of taste somewhat the same or at least adjacent to each other. Yeah, I mean, I get... Can we, can we talk about this for a second? If you don't what? mind. Just this idea. Cause I feel like there is sort of that security of knowing 
that you have, it's like listening to a band. It's like, you can kind of tell they have a signature sound, right? That's kind of what you sometimes want in music. Cause if you have a yeah. situation like who's somebody that everybody knows, um, like Mumford and sons, they did, mm-hmm. I think two albums. And then the third one almost sounded like a, like an experimental cold play album. Mm. And that threw me off. So to some extent with a beer, like with Sierra Nevada, I know you and I, we both like Sierra Nevada, but I like it a lot more than you do, I think. Mm-hmm. And I like their sort of consistently centennial hopped beers. And I do agree that there are similarities between all of them, but I think that's a nice quality. And I think same with Lagunitas. Like, I think that's a really, it's just their signature thing. And they've yeah. done it. I, I I appreciate that if you're having like a signature beer that you know that's your shit like mm-hmm. Lagunitas with their their IPA. Yep. But I think you should be able to have beers that differentiate themselves. Yeah. And like if I picked this up, I wouldn't say this is a boneyard beer. Mm. Whereas with certain breweries, if I picked it up, I would be able to say, oh yeah, that's for sure a Lagunitas beer, or that's for sure a Sierra Nevada beer. I mean, there's there's definitely that profile yeah, that's that true. I think some places get stuck in, which I think that's fine for, like I said, your flagships or like your, your you know, maybe three or four flagships. But I love the fact that a lot of um, Boneyard's beers are so different from each other. Like they make really crazy stuff and they're, they're just unique beers. And I like it when people manufacture beers that, you know, each and well, each each one is a little bit different and you know you don't have that predictability as much at least with their new stuff like this this is really unique this is, doesn't taste like anything they've ever done before yeah i think you know you yeah i think there's probably a middle ground here where especially if you're a brewery as big as lagunitas or sierra nevada that since they have that sort of foundation of reliability they could probably branch out way more than they do and try different and make different stuff whereas yeah. something like boneyard who which is a much smaller brewery maybe doesn't have the capacity to crank out you know, gallons and gallons and gallons of the same beer and then do their experimenting stuff also. Or like Secret Trail, yeah. although Secret Trail is doing a pretty good job at that anyways. So never mind. Secret Trail does both. Yeah. Yeah. They do. But I hear and you. like Bone Boneyard has their their, you know, their core beers. Yeah, okay. Like like RPM. Oh yeah. RPM's like solid. Always has been. Um, you know. So I saw RPM everywhere up there. Mm-hmm. People like it. Mm-hmm. Um, safe to say that you do quite enjoy this one. That's what I'm getting. I like it quite a bit. I'm I'm right there with you, man. It's really good. It's certainly like you said, very aggressively hopped. There's a ton of that bitterness. There's there's a, almost yeah, like the pininess is there too. It doesn't have sort of the the bready uh, malty quality of a, a lot of Sierra Nevada and Longinitas do. I don't yeah. think I would call it necessarily the baby of an IPA and a Pilsner in anything much other than its appearance. It does look. You could look at it and be like, that might be a Pilsner. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna push back on that. It, uh, the the body, the whole mm-hmm. mouthfeel mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. light. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'd agree as far as maybe mouthfeel, just just the bubbliness and the lightness. But there's, I don't know, there's some some girth on the back end, flavor wise for sure. Flavor wise, yeah, but usually like the the thickness of a single IPA that's seven percent, yeah, is gonna be a lot more mouth coating than than pilsner yeah right know? that's fair yeah you're right so i i would say i picked that up a little bit in the the overall mouthfeel but yeah it's uh real hoppy it's like abrasively bitter yeah it's, it's like yeah it's just getting more on the nose too like i'm drinking there should be less and less in my glass smells but it's just like erupting even more intensely yeah uh i would call this level of hoppiness like stabby like it just yeah. like 
it hits your mouth and it's like, Huzzah! I'm here. Shank, shank. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good move. It's a solid IPA. It's a good move for this weather, which I wasn't sure it would be because it is so strong. I'm 7%, mm-hmm. but it's not a, it's not a light beer alcohol wise, but it does. Yeah. It does drink like one. I think you're, you're onto something there. Mm-hmm. I like this beer a lot. I really like the the middle ground that they hit with that that light drinkable mouthfeel with that big hop flavor. Yeah, and the bi- the big ABV. Usually, like I said, IPAs that are seven percent are usually a lot thicker Heftier. and a lot. Yeah, like yeah, I could chug this, but it also has like a ton of hops, which is makes me not want to chug it, which is probably good. Fair it strikes. <laughs> I like the balance it strikes. Yeah, well, where do you think you're gonna land out of ten? This is like in a like an eight three. 8.3. Pretty good. Why, uh, why so, why so close to eight? Uh, I think it's better. It's better than an eight, but it's not an 8.5. Fair enough. I'm going to, I think, yeah, I'm going to land solidly on an eight. It's super good. It's not maybe blowing me away in an incredible way, but I would for sure drink it again. Um, yeah, solid beer overall, man. I think this is a really good grab. Yeah, me too. And it was, uh, pretty cool to get it right from the source. Yeah. And it was canned on 622. So still super fresh. Yeah. That's like three weeks. Yeah. I picked this up on the 3rd of July. So yeah. Pretty well, cool. fun. It's yeah. always fun when you can go to a brewery and, and bring stuff back for the show. Hopefully, this sees distro. I don't see a lot of Boneyard distro around no, here. So, so it's everywhere in Southern Oregon, but that's about it. Yeah. So if you live in Southern Oregon or you do happen to get your hands on one of these in our area, let us know. Again, it's Hoppa Wheelie from Boneyard Beer Company. It's an 8.3 for Johnny and it's an 8 for me. Let's move into Flick Picks. Do it. Why don't you go first? Do you mind? Not do you mind. Would you like to? Or would you like me to? Do you, do you mind going <laughs> <I'm>, first? <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't know. There's a lot of pressure now. Yeah. I guess I'll go first. Okay. Fine. Uh, so this was a movie. That was chosen by my wife, Shalena, shout out, to watch. And I was just kind of along for the ride. It said all the right words. Uh, And I am talking about Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. The June 26, 2020 release, straight to Netflix. Uh, Max, would you please hit the trailer for this movie and then we can talk about it a little bit. Ever since we were children, we've had one dream. Winning the Eurovision Song Contest. All right, everyone. I am Lars. This is Secret. We are Fire Saga. Who wants to hear Eurovision Song? All of Iceland thinks we are a joke. That's not true. And my father is ashamed of me. No, he's not. He looked me into the eyes and said, I am ashamed of you. Maybe he was drunk. He said, and you might think that I'm drunk, but I am dead sober. Idiot. Officially, Fire Saga will be representing Iceland at Eurovision this year. I hate them. Absolutely terrible. They're old, disgusting people. But we have no choice. So we're in. Yep. 42 countries. Hundreds of performers. And a worldwide audience of 180 million. This is Eurovision. Wow! You have to watch that guy. He is a sex player. Hey, looking good. Secret, very beautiful voice. Thank you. We are a duo that will never be separated. George Michael says something about other well guy. No one even knows his name. Andrew Ridgely. You have to stay focused. We need to win. I just want my ding dong to look bigger than what is really there. Smart. 
Yeah. I could do a camel. Do a classic camel. It's never out of style. Yeah. This is it. We have to prove to Iceland and my extremely handsome father that my life hasn't been a waste. For both of us. Lars, you are a dreamer. My dreamer. Ah, we can't. Really? Romance, it ruins the band. Fleetwood Mac. Ace of bass, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, I forgot about Simon. Where the mountains sing to the screams of seagulls. Mark Sarger are not giving up. Tonight is our night. You don't have a single chance of making it. Stop laughing, I'm trying to fight you! You hit me, but very light, like silky kitty fist in marshmallow boxing glove. Alright, so what you just heard was a hilarious trailer for a pretty damn funny movie starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. And I will read you just a bit of the uh what do they call that? Synopsis. Sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. The little, the little paragraph on IMDb. <laughs> That's a synopsis, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. When aspiring musicians Lars and Sigrid are given the opportunity to present or represent and present, I don't know, sure. their country at the world's biggest song competition, they finally have a chance to prove that any dream worth having is a dream worth fighting for. Uh, if you're thinking that this is a silly, tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> lighthearted, fun, funny uh, quirky little movie, you'd be correct. This was an absolute silly goose fun time. It was not too over the top. Uh, there was a really fun performance by Pierce Brosnan as oh. Will Ferrell's dad that <laughs> okay. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> okay. Uh, just played like a stern old fisherman. And I tell you what, he is aging like a fine wine, like a Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Damn it, man. A- absolutely. Like, he is majestic with his like total silver fox. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I was like, they should bring him back as James Bond now. Yeah. 007 4 <laughs> um, yeah. So David Dobkin, who directed, he directed The Change Up a few years back and a movie called The Judge, which wasn't so well received. But it seems like he kind of thrives in the comedy, comedic realm. Yeah? Seems yeah, like definitely. Here. I don't think I've seen or am familiar with any of his other movies. So. I bet you've seen the change up. I bet you guys have just thrown it on one time and didn't really, it was with uh, Jason Bateman and I think Ryan Reynolds and they switched bodies. Nope. Oh, that really? movie looks so stupid. It's yeah, it's fine. It's, it's basically freaky Friday, but with adult humor. Uh-huh. And he was a producer on that terrible King Arthur movie. Yeah, I saw that. It was, you know, so fine. <laughs> um, but so I was saying to you before we started recording that, I have sort of this this aversion to a lot of Will Ferrell comedy because it, it's a lot of it just turns out to be sort of like improv and very Will Ferrell adjacent kind of one liners. And that doesn't always do it for me. But I also mentioned that Rachel McAdams, who is fantastic in Game Night as a comedic force and obviously Mean Girls, like she's she's got some really great comedic timing. She just doesn't get to flex it all that much. And I'm almost I was I'm actually wondering, is this the kind of movie where Will Ferrell just kind of smothers everybody else or do they get kind of an equal chance to play off each other uh they definitely play off each other i think they were i would say equally uh co-stars i don't think he outshined her in any way if anything she shined just as bright as him that's lovely yeah she was pretty great in this movie 
And then could you, I mean, it's a long name. You said Eurovision is sort of the thing. What is Eurovision? Eurovision is a European-based song competition a la, uh, what's that one? American Idol or the You've Got Talent, whatever those cable shows are. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, song contest, and it's a real thing. Yeah. And if if you, like you were saying uh, before we started recording, if you look at some of the still images from the contest itself, like the real-life contest on television, this movie becomes not that outlandish. Right. Yeah, people have crazy costumes, crazy, crazy stuff. So yeah, it's it's not that wild to make a movie about. Yeah, yeah. So I watched I watched because I was doing some digging on this. I wanted to figure out because it seems almost I think and only in America do we not know about this contest because it's a really huge thing in a lot of other parts of the world. But so I was like, okay, so it's real. What's the music like? And I looked up like you said some of the acts, and I actually watched one, and the band was called Little Big, and their song was Uno, and they're this weird. Russian band. And I, I don't even think I can describe it properly. So I don't think I'll try, but if you're, if you're in like kind of a weird, you want to see what the internet has to offer today, kind of mood, you should look it up. If you type little big uno, it's probably the first thing that comes up. The full title is a uh, little big uno hyphen Russia hyphen official music video hyphen Eurovision. And it's, um, it's something little big is amazing. You know about them before this movie. Oh yeah. They have a song called skibidi that sure. is like one of my favorite YouTube videos to play. Okay. They're super Skibidi, weird, right? Skibidi, pa pa pa. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, there's just, it's, yeah, it's, I just go watch it if you're interested. It's very strange. Yep. All right. Uh, would you recommend this? You said it was on Netflix, right? Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Okay, fair enough. That's Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. Go check it out if you'd like. Deal. My now, what the pick. Yeah, what the hell have you been watching? So I, I stumbled upon a movie called My Spy. It came out also June 26th for streaming on Netflix. It was directed by Peter Seagal, who was the director of Get Smart and Tommy Boy. So here's a trailer for that, and then I'll tell you a little bit about it. I'm just not that good with people. There is one thing I'm good at. Homeschool going. You have jelly all over your face. Is it too late to homeschool me? Watch me! Watch me! Are you CIA? Why don't you hand over that phone before you get yourself in big trouble? Won't you get in big trouble for having your cover blown by a nine-year-old who's recording this and streaming it to the cloud? Can she do that? Yeah, not actually that hard. We can cut a deal. I want you to teach me how to be a spy. And just to be clear, this is a one-time arrangement. Never again. I can't promise. So what's first? A lie detector test. I can smell a lie. Endorphins release an odor. And the ultimate tell, the slightest blink of an eye. Meaning like this? JJ, I admire all of your tattoos. Stop. When you look out there, what do you see? 90 civilians, minimal security, soft perimeter. Smiling people having fun. You should try it sometime. Ice cream will make you feel better. I feel a little better. My the objective of this exercise is to get past me. A good idea might be to cause a distraction, because otherwise there'd be zero chance that you could... Oh, me! Under the rough exterior. Found you. You're a nice guy. <laughs> what is he doing? This looks like the wedding at the end of Shrek. I just wanna break the rules. 
Okay, so my spy is basically the pacifier. Do you remember the pacifier with uh with Vin, Vin Diesel? Diesel? Yeah. So the basically it's a movie starring uh Dave Batista who played Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um in my brain it's just now there's this there's Drax dressed up as this human. That's how I see him in every movie. Cuz he kind of always plays like Drax but with a human skin on him. Just different outfits. Yeah, so he's in he's in the CIA and he gets pulled off off the off the field so he can go do a reconnaissance mission because he's he's killed too many guys and he's too, he's not he's not spyish enough and he gets put into this neighborhood to surveil this family in which there's a daughter played by Chloe Coleman and they become friends and she finds out he's in the CIA and basically blackmails him to like do fun things with her so she won't tell her mom that he's a spy. <laughs> it's like it doesn't sound that new or exciting. And it's not for most of it. I wrote in my letterbox review that the sort of pacifiery elements of this were so unstomachable that I was almost totally shut down by the time that the little bits of comedic originality finally came around. And I think I was just maybe primed for disappointment after those first like 30 minutes, but I think there are actually some pretty funny moments here. And, and Dave Batista does a pretty good job. I mean, he's just like a big, awkward, funny dude. And they play a lot of like physical comedy with his muscles and bad guys. And there's some over the top stunts and some funny ice skating things that happen. It's, it's, it's fine. You know, I ended up giving it like a two and a half stars out of five. So five out of 10 is how we rate it on this show. But I don't know. It's, it'd be a decent family movie if you want something to put on with your kids and on a Friday night, you know? And this was PG 13. So this wasn't like marketed specifically towards real young kids. I'm imagining. I don't know, man. So after my, after that watching of that documentary last week, I'm sort of, sort of jaded towards all ratings. I don't know why this wouldn't be PG. I mean, there's some language, I guess, but it's mostly comedic language played by the kid. Like I think she says shit Mm -hmm. a few times almost to get a laugh out of the audience. I don't don't know. Um, Cause it's funny when it's funny when kids swear. That's yeah, that's, that's it basically. The, yeah. the other person that I wanted to point out in this movie is Kristen Shaw, and she plays a gal named Bobby, and she's kind of his sidekick, but not really because she's also just been reassigned, and she's always okay. wanted to go out in the field, and she's like, teach me stuff. He's like, we're not partners, and he, she's like, let me guess, like your partner's dead, or you killed your family, or like you got your family killed, and she's, she's uh, I think if you, if you think she's funny in general, she'll work in this for you, and if you don't think she's funny, it's going to be really a drag. Yeah, I love Kristen Schaal. Perfect. I did not think she was funny for most of it. And that's just that's a difference in opinion, I think. You probably don't like Bob's Burgers either. Nope, never watched Bob's Burgers, though. How dare you? Sorry, man. So, once again, that's My Spy. It's on Netflix as well as Eurovision Song Contest. Check either of those out if you would like. You can let us know what you think. We'd love to hear it. In the meantime, we're going to jump to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the new Netflix film, again with the Netflix this week, The Old Guard. But we're not spoiling it, so don't worry if you haven't seen it yet. And we'll be right back. Folks, if you've been paying attention to what's going on in the news, you will know that once again, California is shut down in most restaurants, if not all. I think it's all. But fear not, because our longtime friends over at the Handlebar are back to doing curbside takeaway service. You can still go down and order some stuff, or you can order on the phone or online in advance. You can get all the tasty, delicious foods and possibly beverages from the Handlebar to go in a safe, delicious way. So check them out. They're at 2070 East 20th Street, if you didn't know. They're a great local business. Go help them out. They'll help you out. Everybody wins. Handlebar Chico. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group of soldiers. 
fighters. Like you. With an extremely rare skill set. What do you mean? Mother? Let's just say we're very hard to kill. You've got questions, kid. You want answers? I have the new one. And? I think she has potential. <laughs> See, you're already healing faster. You're gonna do great. So you good guys or bad guys? Depends on the century. So we really never die. Just because we keep living doesn't mean we stop hurting. <laughs> Throughout history, we've protected this world, fighting in the shadows. But it's nearly impossible to disappear in the world we live in today. She'll like me to take one for you. Oh, thank you so much. There you go. Thank you. These are extraordinary individuals. They are extremely resistant to capture. They're going to lock us up and weaponize us. But they've never faced an army like ours. An army of five. Shit, let's start a band. If we can unlock their genetic code, the entire world will be begging us for the key. You shouldn't have done that. We don't have all the answers. But we do have purpose. I strongly recommend that we leave right now. Let's move! Wait for the signal. How the hell can you even tell? Oh. I'm gonna keep popping all that. All right, that was a trailer for The Old Guard, a new movie to Netflix, and the synopsis that I stole off the internet slash maybe generic website.com because, well, you'll know in a second. A group of mercenaries, all centuries-old immortals, with the ability to heal themselves, a la Wolverine, discover someone is onto their secret and they must fight to protect their freedom. Can I just say before we get into this that when I read that description, I forgot everything I knew about this movie and I was just like, this is gonna suck. Because it's just one of those one of those descriptions that sounds so generic, yeah, and so uninspired that I went in. Not uh, granted, I didn't know much going in, anyways. But that added like a little nugget of, um, I don't know, uh, pessimism to my viewing process. And I will tell you how that worked out for me in a second. But would you tell me a little bit more about this movie? Who directed it? Who's in it? That kind of stuff. Yeah, it was directed by Gina Prince Blythewood. Uh, Old Guard is her fourth film as a director. Uh, she also directed Love and Basketball, The Secret Life of Bees, and Beyond the Lights. Screenplay was written by Greg Rucka, who was the original writer of the comics. Cast includes Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, and Matthias Sonarts. Thanks. And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce some of those character names. We'll get into that later. <laughs> uh, cast, you also had Marwin Kinzari, Luca Marinello, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Is that how you say that? Yeah, Ejiofor. Chiwetel Ejiofor. 
Okay. And then Harry Melling and also blah, blah, blah. It was released to Netflix on July 10th, 2020. So brand spanking new. It run ran for a, an excruciating amount of time, two <laughs> hours and five minutes. Yeah, it's a long one. It definitely felt like it was going for the sort of summer blockbuster vibe. Yeah. And I think that worked kind of. Um, but you mentioned this was this was written for the screen by Greg Rucka. This movie's based on a, ho- a whole bunch of comics, and I've never read any of them, nor had I heard of them before this. You had you hadn't either, right? No. Yeah. Well, apparently, pretty big deal. I looked them up, and people people like them quite a bit. But to tie in everything, basically, Charlize Theron is she plays Andy or Andromache of Scythia, and they've been around. She's been around for basically forever, sort of fighting these battles to help humanity kind of and all the people you listed are basically her team of also immortals that kill other bad guys and they are enlisted for a job by copley who's played by chiwetel Ejiofor. and tell me if you think this is spoiling we can edit it out but it was a setup and it turns out he was hired by this guy named stephen merrick who is played by harry potter's cousin dudley and they have to figure out how to deal in this kind of new world where people are hunting them and know that they exist. Yep. You feel like a decent enough setup? Yep. Okay. Um, what'd you know going in and what did you, uh, what'd you expect and what'd you come away with? I knew that there was an action movie that starred Charlize Theron that was coming to Netflix. That's literally it. Great. And I, what did I expect? Uh, that's all I expected. Yeah. And what and what was the last question? Yeah, I mean, how did how did you feel overall? What'd you come away with? Uh, so overall, I really, really, really didn't like this movie at all. Mm, lots of um, reallys. Lots of reallys, man. It was uh, a contradiction trapped in a cliche with a terrible soundtrack. Oh, you didn't like the soundtrack either? I thought it was garbage. Oh, I liked it. Okay, keep going. No, it, it was bothersome and distracting, okay. <laughs> and it felt like it didn't fit even a little bit. The whole thing was just corny okay like why do you have to be so corny okay that shit you complain about when you're like i could probably tell you what line they're gonna say yeah in like five minutes yep and then it happens over and over and like none of the ideas in this were that original uh this could have been completely awesome but i feel like the just cornball execution just left a lot to be desired also they create this amazing universe and then establish rules about how things work in this universe and then immediately go against them. And you don't really get enough time to play in the sandbox of this world and how the rules work. And I'll get more into that in the danger zone. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you don't get to play around with like that initial rule set before it just gets all, all gets washed aside everything's different. You're like, well, I wasn't used to it or I didn't have an appreciation for it the way it was initially. So I feel like this movie could have been paced a little bit differently Mm -hmm. and arranged a little bit differently with more time being spent possibly in the earlier part of this movie before we just jump right into plot. I would have liked a bit more background on these people and their powers. And they always showed like these battle scenes, but it's like where they're just standing still like around a battle Mm -hmm. and like from the past and they never do any like, battle scenes from the past which i think was a total missed opportunity Mm. uh that would have been so cool like battles throughout history uh because they all have these like medieval and different eras style like hand-to-hand melee combat weapons like battle axes and swords so i don't know man this movie was a miss in almost every way and i feel like i could have taken a nap and woken up halfway through it and not missed a beat 
and enjoyed it just the same. So for me, completely forgettable. Uh, it just falls by the wayside into being a complete corny, like I said, corny cliche. Hmm. So I agree with you on some of that. I think that some of the more traditional action tropes, including and maybe maybe mostly Charlize Theron's dialogue, is very much predictable and not original and kind of boring. And yeah, and, and, and I'm here. I'm here for her. Oh, you see, I, I was mean? here for Kiki Lane. No, who we knew from uh, from if Beale Street could talk. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's probably a big difference here. Then I was also here. Well, for the other guys too. The other two dudes in their team were pretty tight. Um, but so for me, it was like, yes, the action and even the skeletal storyline, the, just the bare bones plot was like, okay, like I'm not, I don't like. There's probably going to be some twists and some action set pieces and whatever. But what surprised me about this movie and what I really enjoyed is that they actually spent some time sort of delving into like the psychology or like the psychological damage of like murdering people, you know, justifiably murdering bad guys for a long time. And like how that might um, translate into your own psyche over time. And I thought that's something I haven't seen in a movie like this before. They spent, there was a lot of downtime and it was a weird contrast to some of the more frenetic action scenes. But I actually liked some of those moments where we got, characters talking about like what it's like to actually kill somebody and that kind of weight that stays with you for in this case centuries i think that's really mm-hmm. powerful stuff um or like there's a moment where we're faced with um yeah an immortal character that um meets a pretty tricky bad fate and like that really hit r2 is like i you there's there's different downsides that you maybe don't consider with this sort of stuff um the stuff being immortal and warriors like on paper this could have been really just like John Wickie or Atomic Blondie, I guess. And I liked that they took it a little bit further and, and delved into the characters a little bit more. And I also like different characters. There's all sorts of representation in this movie. And it was directed by a black woman, which is also super cool because that's not usually the case with movies like this. And I think jumping back to your comment about the soundtrack, because um, I heard an interview with the director and somebody else. And I'm sorry, I can't think of who it was right now. But I was watching the movie and I was like, the soundtrack is so cool. I wonder how much of this was like crafted specifically for this movie and how much was just pulling songs they liked. And most of it, if I'm not mistaken was for the movie. And for me, it super worked. Mm. All that said, this is like still a pretty good movie. Like I'm not too crazy about it or anything, but it's good. Like I, I, I don't know if I'd watch it again necessarily, but uh, I liked it. I don't think a movie, uh, you would watch a good movie again. Yeah, well, maybe if I didn't do if we didn't do this every week and I didn't have other like if I didn't have a watch list of movies that was 125 movies long, then maybe I would watch this again. But given my circumstances, I I don't know. I don't get to rewatch a lot of movies though. Right. I'm always trying to find something new. Yeah, I feel that. So I feel that pretty hard. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we rate it? Um, not really, honestly. Like I'm I'm I wasn't very enthused. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I I. We'll talk. We'll get into it more in the danger zone. But yeah, no, I think I'm there. All right, dude. Out of ten, what you got? Uh, this movie's a solid three point three. Three point three for Johnny Summers and a seven for me. That's the old guard. It's on Netflix. Check it out. If you agree with Johnny or you agree with me or you disagree with both of us somehow, <laughs> let us know. But I think it's maybe time for another beer. So Black is Beautiful is an initiative launched by Weathered Souls Brewing in San Antonio, Texas, that they describe as a, quote, collaborative effort to raise awareness for the injustices people of color face daily and raise funds for police brutality reform and legal defenses for those who have been wronged. So we're going to be drinking a beer here in a minute called Black is Beautiful. 
not by Weathered Souls Brewing, but from Revision out of Sparks. But this recipe was released by Weathered Souls to all these different breweries, and we'll talk about just how many in a second. But Johnny, could you read me a little bit of some stuff behind the beer? Yeah. So with this current tension, or with the current tensions that are rising, we thought that it was of grave importance to start the Black is Beautiful initiative. We took a stout recipe and decided to call on our peers in the brewing industry to collaborate in unison for equality and inclusion amongst people of color. All proceeds from the purchases of these releases will be donated to the local funds that support police brutality reform and legal defense. Currently, 1,001 breweries have made their versions of this throughout all 50 states and 19 countries, including our hometown hero's secret trail right here in Chico, California. Yeah, I was looking this up. So I made this, this list is changing all the time. So I, this was Tuesday afternoon that I found 1001. I think there was an article I looked at maybe yesterday and it was like 900 and something. So it's more and more breweries are getting on board, which is super awesome to see. I've never had any other breweries version. My first one will be this one from revision. You didn't Mine try too. secret. Okay, great. I would be very curious to, I wish we could have gotten our hands on a secret trail and put them side by side. Because they also point out on their website that they they basically posted a Dropbox folder that was like, all right, here's the artwork. If you make the beer, please use this on your, please use this on your cans. Uh, here's the recipe. That said, this is just kind of our recommendation. Like you know your region's water best, and you know your ingredients better than we do. So use this as a base, and then kind of tweak it to your own specs. So I'd love yeah. to try a couple of these side by side. But go ahead. I tell you what, I will be getting my hands on a few different versions in cans, and I will share them with you. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, so this one, this particular one from Revision, again, is 10%, so I'm expecting quite a bit of a punch here. Um, have you poured it slash drank it yet? I've poured it, and I haven't drank it, but it does smell real good. It smells almost like a chocolate malt. I'm getting a lot of lot of like milk chocolate on this. Oh, it's super roasty, man. It's, it's yeah, it's almost, it's almost... It almost has a profile of more of a traditional non-imperial stout. Mm, like you get, you get a lot of that kind of burnt roasty flavor that, and, and less of the viscosity. It's thinner than I would expect. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, heavy notes of burned coffee. Yeah, like real intensely, real intensely roasty and coffee-ish. This is yeah. this is more like what I was looking for from that uh, coffee stout we did last week or the week before. Mm. Yeah, one of that. The, what, what am I thinking of? The espresso stout, the um, overcast. Oh, cl- uh, overcast from yeah. Oakshire. Yeah. I wanted more of this kind of, you know, coffee, intense kind of coffee vibe. See, this just, this kind of tastes burnt to me. Mm. Oh, bad. Burnt, burnt means bad. Yeah. I see. Um, I don't, well, I mean, I get that too, but it's not bothering me the same way that it's bothering you. I don't think. Yeah. It just, this, this beer's almost a little tangy too. Ooh, <laughs> oh no. Those are like two very dangerous stout words. Mm-hmm. Burnt and tangy, Tang, man. I got some bad memories of beers that we've described on the show as tangy. Yeah, it's definitely not sour. It just it leaves yeah. like a, a kind of a, a tangy aftertaste. Yeah, I think my biggest, not red flag, but weird flag is that it is really thin. Yeah, I'm double checking yeah. the can. It is ten percent, right? Yeah, look at that, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it or anything. I don't, I don't love it though. I really don't love it at all. Yeah, you, you're more, you're, I. If I may, I think you're floating sort of just under the middle of the road. I'm not a fan. Not okay. not a fan at all. It's too roasty. It's just too burnt coffee, it, like super blackened roasted malts. It's just it's too acrid on the on the tongue. It reminds I'm me of a, yeah, like like a McKellar beer. 
Kind of. The way that they can get just that. Just that yucky, really intense. Yeah. Just yucky intensity. I feel like McKellar can often be a one-trick pony in their beers. And not sort of all over, but like with a particular beer, if they say this is a coffee stout, it's only coffee. Like their Beer Geek Breakfast coffee stout. Yeah. I did not like that one at all because it was just the burnt coffee taste. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting at least some sweetness out of this and that's helping. But there's it definitely it's definitely a strong roasty taste definitely bordering on burnt yeah for me this this beer misses the mark i'm not a fan that's a shame yeah but what can you do uh i don't know man uh i'm i'm not really enjoying it are you even enjoying it at all yeah a little little bit i'm i don't think i would need this in a pint can certainly i i would have happily split this with you were we together or you know maybe a 12 ounce can or a little 330 milliliter bottle would have been great. Yeah. But even then I'd probably get through most of it and be like, that's, that's enough stout for the night, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I like some stouts that aren't too sweet, but this one's just like the like polar opposite of too sweet. Mm. It like, it could have used being a little bit sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. I got that too. I, yeah. Or at least maybe if not sweeter, like add some depth of other flavors instead of just sort of the bitter coffee burnedness. Yeah, it's just too bitter. It needs something to balance that out. Either some milk chocolate notes or some cacao or, gosh, something, dude. Yeah, this, yeah. Not a fan. I love the cause and I love what the beer is about and I love that they made it, but also it's just not that good. Yeah, I think the good news, which I don't think we've ever been able to say before, is, well, you don't like this one? Try a different one. Try one of the other literally 1,000. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Resilience. Yes, that's – yeah, I think that's – I don't know how many times stuff like this has happened in the craft beer community, but that's the only other time I can think of. Yeah. It's kind of a new thing. Yeah. It's very but cool, yes. though, because it's a very, yeah. very cool movement. Totally. Um, Shoot. Yeah, it's a bummer. But I guess we should probably just rate it. Yeah, it's like a 2.5 for me. Oh, that's so low. Yeah, you, I don't. You, you like this beer less than you like the movie you just really didn't like? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I poured about three ounces in my cup and I don't care to drink it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it's like a, you know, it's like a five. Nah. Yeah, I'm going to go four. I live, it's like a four for me. Not a five. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. There's there's a giant world of beers out there, man. Yeah. And there's some real good ones. Like, to and it, it almost takes a lot of work to be this below average. Mm. Hmm. Like, sorry, Revision, but in the stout game, like. You got some competition. There's world-class stuff like, you know, it's like Secret Trail stouts are better than this. So I would dare I say I bet their version of this beer is better. Oh, yeah. You said it like there was a surprise. Like, Secret, Secret Trail's beers are better than this one. Well, well, no, like they're, they're dark beers. They've only ever put out like two. They've put, yeah, like Trail of Darkness and... Um, well, that was a porter, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a dark beer, though. Yeah, but like stouts, I think they've only ever done like one or two. What was ours called? Oh, I don't remember. I don't either. But that was a good one. Yeah. That was a that great beer, stout. That was. It was really good. All right. Well, Black is Beautiful. The revision out of Sparks Nevada version is a two and a half for Johnny. It's a four for me. Not, you know, not the most celebrated we've ever had. I The difference between you and me right now is I'm going to finish what's in my glass and mm-hmm. then probably not reach for more. And it sounds like maybe you're not even going to do that. I'm reaching for a lacrosse. All right. Well, then we're moving right along into Hot and Bothered, which, if you haven't heard the show before, is the portion of the show where we talk about what's got us excited or potentially bummed out this week. Johnny, why don't you start with one that I think has to be a hot? Um, Pickled onions? No. My God. I thought for sure that was a bothered. No. I mean, there will be blood. <laughs> no. Yeah. There will be blood. Uh, 
I share the movie posters on our Instagram all the time. And the other day you messaged me and you're like, bruh, I haven't seen this. Yeah. And I was like, bruh, me either. <laughs> and like uh, Daniel Day Lewis won an Academy Award for that movie. Like it's kind of just negligent at this point for neither of us to have seen it. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Screw that. I'm not a negligizer. I'm going to watch it. So yeah. I, I looked it up. It's been on my Netflix queue for days mm. and finally just broke into it. And then I realized it's a three hour movie. Yeah, dude. So I watched it in two, like one hour and 20 minute chunks. Oh, bold move. Uh, necessity. I just fell asleep. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of those directors. If you don't know him off just by name, Phantom Thread and the Master, uh, Magnolia, Boogie Nights, Inherent Vice, Punch Drunk Love. Mm. Um, although I feel like I'm just looking at this list. He, yeah, he directed that. Interesting. Um, nice. He's one of those directors that makes big epic movies that are usually super involved. He's a big fan of Daniel Day Lewis mm-hmm. and vice versa. Well, I mean, why not? Why not? Um, so this was good. This was a fantastic movie. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it's one that like, I kind of bummed out that I had just watched for the first time, but I'm mm-hmm. happy I did. Yeah. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis is a true master of his craft. Yeah. I know this has been said about him a million times, but like, my God, watching this movie, you're just like absolutely enamored by the complexity that he can bring with just his eyes yeah. to a character. It's unreal, the the depth that that man adds to every role that he's in. And this role was no exception. You loved him, you hated him, you you empathized with him, and you loathed him entirely. It was yeah. this weird dichotomy of a character that's just like being ripped apart by emotions and external factors and the lust for more, more, more and business power. And oh, it was just crazy, man. It was a, a really interesting movie. And it had one of the most interesting third acts, I'd say, that I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, as a whole, yeah, just ab- like a space of like 20 years goes by in like one scene. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, oh, oh my God. Okay. Everything's 20 years later all of a sudden. Right. And it, and it just, it really was interesting. Some of the choices they made and the ending is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that just no spoilers because maybe somebody out there hasn't seen it, but. Yeah, it was a very interesting movie, and it was a lot of, you know, perspective on early pioneer style enthusiasm and and the lust for creating something of your own, and and that drive that it took to be one of the founding businessmen of this country, you know, to to f- put a drill in a well and create profit from oil in the ground where there was nothing before is just mm. like. Such a testament to, you know, not just like American spirit, but just the human spirit and the the will to be more than you are. And it was a fascinating movie. I highly recommend you watch it. That's definitely got me pretty hot this week. Okay. Where can people watch There Will Be Blood if they want to? It's on Netflix, man. It's like Perfect. two clicks away. It's it's easy. It's easy. Did you happen to watch anything else on Netflix this week? I did. Much to my surprise. I heard nothing good about this show. And <laughs> yeah. I decided to sit down and watch Space Force. So to all you haters out there, you're going to have to come fight me because I really like this show and I will stand behind it as a good show. It's not, you know, super, I mean, it is super intelligent, but it's it's a satire. It's very social commentary, political commentary, 
and it is really funny. Steve Carell is the main character. He helped create it. He's countered by Billy Bob Thornton, and or I'm sorry, not Billy Bob Thornton. John Malkovich. John Malkovich. Good grief. Um, and you essentially have this like knucklehead, like gut feeling bro in Steve Carell, and John Malkovich is the scientist, and it's this total, you know, popular opinion and just dumb ideas versus science and logic. And I feel like there's a lot of commentary in that in the world we're living, specifically today, like right now, like post-corona. I think it's a very worthwhile show. I think it touches on a lot of things in a satirical way that are very culturally relevant. And I stand behind it as a damn good show. So just to be clear, you said it was Steve Carell and John Malkovich, but what are they, what's the show about? So it's about the space force that was people might not uh, know. Uh, so with Trump basically wanted to start a space force so we can dominate the skies. And so they decided to give that job of running it to Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the trials and tribulations of, dealing with the the president and all the control that he has and like catering to his ego it's it's really funny uh the way that they navigate that it's very satirical and it's very tongue in cheek about like knowing what it is and it's just poking fun at the whole idea of it and just the ludicrous nature of having a space force it's you know <laughs> there's lots of jokes about like yeah, weaponizing yeah. space yeah. and it's it's real funny though well, until we achieve the technology to get boots on the moon, Johnny, maybe there's a, a culinary technology you could elucidate us to. A pickled onions. What the hell is that? I mean, I know what it is. I, why? Why is that? Why? Because they're delicious and I wanted to make something at home. Uh, a lot of times if I'm like depressed, I'll just like pick something to make that I've never made before <laughs> to make myself feel better. <laughs> you were like, I'm depressed, so I'm grabbing an onion. Uh-huh. The cheeriest I'm- of foods. I went full Jim Carrey Grinch. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I just, I'd wanted to do that for a while. I'm actually going to be pickling some jalapenos and carrots for some, like, uh, I get pickled jalapenos and carrots with, like, every tacos or burrito that yeah. I get from the, my favorite spot on the corner. And I've always wanted to make my own. So I'm just getting in touch with my inner pickle. Sure. And I made some pickled purple onions, and they are turning bright pink as you would expect. Yeah. And I'm super excited about them. I haven't tried one yet, but I, I put them in, in the jar after getting everything together last night. I will report back as to whether they are good or if they suck. Perfect. How long do they have to, uh, brine marinate for? Um, they are ready technically now, but mm-hmm. they, I read that they're best after like two or three days. Okay. Fair enough. So I'll report back. Do you like pickled onions? I like pickled stuff. Yeah. I'm sure I've had pickled onions before. Probably. Did they so used to have them at the Goose? I, every once in a while, yeah. Yeah. And they did pickled beets a lot, but they were yeah. just pink and on top of a lot of stuff. I, yeah. I've, yeah. Then I for sure had them. That's because that's what I was picturing. They're cool. great. Yeah. I'll have to bring some over and let you try them. Deal. That'd be that'd be awesome. Just, just yep. yeah, porch bomb me with them. Yeah. No, it'll stain that's your true. porch. Yeah, right. That'd be a great, yeah, it'd be a great uh, graffiti bomb. Just, and it would smell maybe good for a while. And then it wouldn't. And it bakes in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so wait, last week I mentioned uh, that it would be your birthday by the next time we recorded. Uh, I yes. assume you had not changed that legally since then. So your birthday happened and here we are. Any Anything yes. fun happened? Yeah, it was a great birthday weekend. I got tattooed on Saturday 
and then got very drunk and then was going to go fishing, but it was too hungover. So I ended up watching like four movies and most of Space Force on Sunday. So Wait, you got a new tattoo? I did. I got a new tattoo. I didn't even show you when I saw you today. Drop off beer. Yeah. Mm, You're a bad friend. It's okay. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I did. I got a cool little bat, not little, a very pretty large bat tattoo on the back of my arm to fill in a big empty spot. So I'll probably be posting a picture of that on Instagrams soon, so you can check that out there. But yeah, I haven't gotten tattooed in way too long. And it's been a couple of years, right? Yeah, it's yeah. been a hot minute. So I was really excited to get back in and get some work done, and it made me really happy. So, And also I had a great birthday. So thanks to everyone that reached out and said happy birthday and all that good stuff. My mom sent me a, a, a box of beef jerky from Random Animals. What's that? A big old box of beef jerky from random animals. Oh, random animals. I thought you said man man to manimals. I was like, is that a company? Yeah, man to manimals. (laughs) All right, great. Uh, Random animals. There's some like wild boar jerky in there. Mm -hmm. It's getting wild. Yeah, boar. Good times. Nice, dude. I'm glad I went well. Yeah, so yeah. And thank you. You reached out and said happy birthday. I was a couple days late. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Apparently, I still have a package coming from Yeah, it's... I'll, I can't tell you anything now, but I'll once I get here, I'll tell you why it's taken so long. Well, it's a surprise. I should hope you couldn't tell me anything. Yeah, now. right. Jeez. Well, how have you been? What are you up to? Anything new, exciting? Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's been sort of, it's been kind of a long week. We had a, a friend had a birthday, so there was a lot of celebrating this weekend. I've been, as you know, for a few weeks now, sort of adopting a new lifestyle trajectory, which involves more exercising and less drinking and less time staring at screens and all sorts of stuff there. But that for this weekend felt like I maybe had never done that. Cause it was just like three days in a row of just heavily drinking and, and hanging out with um, close friends and then friends that weren't so close, keeping distance from them, but being around um, people in the same area. It's, it's all very like kind of exhausting when, especially when you throw drinking into the mix, you just get more tired. Um, but one highlight that I want to point out from this weekend is I got to try a homebrew, which was good, which I feel like is a, and maybe you disagree, but I think that's a really rare thing. Um, I have a lot of, no, that's true. You have a lot of homebrewer friends. Well, and there's, yeah, but there's also, I mean, you're not wrong. There's a lot of bad homebrew. Most of my experience with homebrews have been, and also I've brewed a couple of my own, which tasted very bad, but I got to try one from my buddy, Sean, shout out, Sean. It was, and if I think, I think I got this right. It was an IPA, a single IPA. It was super citrusy and light and wonderfully carbonated. I think it was like in the six ish ABV range and it was his first batch and he was kind enough to share a couple bottles with me and it was very delicious. So I wanted to say once, thank you, Sean. And then Johnny, I actually still have the second bottle around and I might convince you to try it next time I see you. Oh snap. That sounds great. Yeah, dude. Um, I also started working on a new song today, which I haven't done in a long time. I don't think I've been inspired to, you know, I, I just, maybe I've had ideas and I've jotted them down, but today I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sit in front of the piano and try to bang something out and see what happens. And I think I have a pretty decent chorus if I do say so myself, uh, and potentially a pretty good heartbreak song. So boom, should be fun. Oh, nice. Who, who hurt, who hurt you? Max? Nobody. I, that's the thing. My I, some of the best songs ever are just the most tragic ones. And I was afraid of this when I got married or when I started feeling good in life. I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty well situated. I'm like, this is going to be terrible for my songwriting career. <laughs> Cause yeah. so I'm trying to like step back and just empathize with imaginary scenarios. Not unlike when you watch a movie, you're like, Oh, I could totally picture what that would feel like. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. And it's today. It went well. There you go. That's good. I mean, it's, that's a trope that I hear like a lot of comedians talk about that. Like, you know, there's no good art without trauma. And like, that's, 
kind of what you were saying, like, you know, oh, I'm going to get married and like, I'm going to be happy. Yeah. Like, what am I going to write about? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I need better, I better yeah. develop a drug habit immediately. Right, something. Uh, the very last day I played a show in Tahoe with my friend Kyle it was a socially distanced uh, bunch of, I think, uh, people in the healthcare field and others. And we got to play for some people in a very much like listening room type scenario. I sang a bunch of originals, probably just as many as I sang covers, if not slightly more originals. And Kyle did the same and it was great. And I just am putting a little timestamp on this in case I ever listened to this episode 20 years from now. I remember what I did this weekend. And that's what I did. Nice. That's awesome. And that was, uh, those were my hots this week, my dude. Hell yeah. Do and there's no bothered on any fronts. Nah. Do you have Look anything else you want to talk about before we get to the danger zone? Uh, I mean, I could just talk about nonsense with you for hours, but we should probably <laughs> get back into the old guard, I suppose. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Okay, danger zone time. You mentioned there was some stuff that you wanted to bring up. You said, I think your wording was, um, uh, what did you say? You said there was more stuff you talk about in the danger zone that was about. You you said something about it being um, very contrived, or I, that wasn't the word you used, but uh, you know, hokey or um, what did you say? <laughs> I said it was corny. Corny, yeah, that's the one. Uh, and yeah. some of the stuff you couldn't talk about without getting into spoilers. So lay it on me. Okay, so they they established this world where they can't die and they can't be injured. And yeah, that, yeah, the contradictions. It. They establish it very early, and they they set up rules. And movies like this, like superhero movies, are. They exist in a universe with with finite rules mm. and shapes and edges, and the characters exist within this space. And before we got to see them really do any cool stuff or like basically show off their powers, uh, get it to get to see it in like any kind of cool way that like is really invested, you essentially just find out that nope, J.K. We could all die at any time, and we don't know why or when or how. So, it's but isn't like, that cool. so much more interesting from a character perspective? Like, they, yeah, it, it but gives I don't it stakes want, a little bit. Yeah, but I don't want that. Like, fucking five minutes, ten minutes into the movie, oh, like, let me wow. have fun and let me appreciate the other side of that coin and get to know these characters and like show me, maybe show me them doing crazy stuff. And like, we saw these pictures of them, like in the Civil War. Mm. Like, why didn't they have like cutscenes? Of that. I think that's probably budgetary stuff to some extent. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that in the comics. They actually do go back and and really spell that stuff out and sit with it for a while. Yeah. I think I would have liked all these characters and basically given a shit a little bit more if they would have done that. But instead, I got just thrust into this, oh, hey, here, things are like this. JK, no, they're not. Somebody's going to die. Oh, God, she's going to die now, too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I would just also make the case that. Gina Prince Bythewood is not so interested in doing like the full straightforward action stuff that she sets it up probably to pay homage to the original content and then shifts the focus to like, like I said, like the character work that she wants to develop. Yeah. That so could essentially be we're getting like the second half of a comic book series. Yeah. You're just not getting all of the backstory that would have led you to the same conclusion anyways. Yeah. Uh, so I was see, fine with it. Movies of this genre require that setup if they want this to be a successful movie. Like any superhero action franchise, like even John Wick had more character setup than this, I think. Yeah. So I think there's a difference between character setup and character backstory. Right. And I would, at least for me as a viewer, I don't need the backstory, but I do need the setup. And for me in this movie, 
the setup was more about their their psychology and their yeah. their mental state and less about like all the bad guys they killed along the way. Granted, that played a huge part in their psychology, but I was able to just infer that from from the few bits that we got. Yeah, I just think as an action movie, like to do what they're going for in this movie, you have to show the other side of that coin more. Like I get it. You can emphasize their mental health and like really get into that, but like show me a bit more of the action that led to their current consequence. Make me believe it a little bit more. What do you think was the most satisfying um, sort of flashback scene? Uh, the most interesting one was the one with the uh, her friend that got locked in the coffin mm-hmm. and drunk, dunked in the ocean. Can you imagine? I think that – no. God. It was like drowning and coming over, back to life. Over. You know what it drowning. made me think of was uh, Black Mirror, the episode Black Museum, where, oh, yeah. where they make sort of fully sentient digital copies of a guy being electrocuted to death. And he just mm-hmm. constantly gets, ooh, it's so, that's so brutal. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And that was like one of the more backstory heavy flashbacks. Like, yeah, you right. actually got a bit of context. So I think what the, this, these current characters lack in their current state is context. I think that's what it comes down to for me is that like, we were kind of just thrown into these people that have problems and they're, they're, they're messed up mentally about being eternally alive and killing a bunch of people. But, like, we just have to go with that. But, like, these movies are visual. They're visceral. They're simple. They're straightforward. And this movie was that and then tried to get deep, but it didn't have enough of that visual straightforwardness that the genre is known for uh, to balance it out, in my opinion. It just seemed really, really out of whack, out of proportion. I didn't like the way they did that at all. Oh, see, I feel like you were saying it, it was deep enough, but the backstory to back up the action part of stuff wasn't there. No, like, no, the action stuff. I mean, it, obviously they've been badass forever. Like they, I get it. No, it's, it was way more like the, the backstory of how they became so damaged. You know what I mean? Like that. And then their, their exploits throughout the years, what led to them being in this state now, I just feel mm-hmm. wasn't there enough. Well, I would have liked, you know, it was inferred for sure. But like, um, you know, if you're going to push the limits with the violence, I would rather see the violence that led to your current trauma. So I can empathize with your character more than just you being a badass and shooting people in the action scenes in this movie. I think they should have maybe 50, 50 split the time between the, the, the past violence and the current violence, just in order to make these characters a bit more, you know, a, more able to empathize with these characters. There was a scene right after the, after the title card hits at the end. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-mm. so there, you didn't see it. Wait, did I? I don't remember. Refresh me. Basically, the the woman that had drowned over and over again is alive. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. She shows up. So they're clearly setting this up for a sequel or a yeah. few. I think – well, actually, I'm asking. Would you be into watching a prequel of this movie that would give you all that setup you wanted and then maybe go back and watch this and appreciate it more? Or are you just like, Big this time. is not for me? You'd be, a, you'd be into it? Big time. Yeah, this movie almost – now that you've said that out loud, this movie almost feels like a sequel. Yeah, because I think that's an effective way of storytelling and not super um, not super foreign to the world of comic books. Like you often get sort of an establishing thing and then you get more in-depth as we as we continue to develop the franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, man, I wanted way more out of, out of Charlize Theron. I was really bummed at the way her character was written. She oh, was really? just like – so one dimensional, like, yeah, she had 
yeah. some struggles throughout the movie a little bit, but like her dialogue was just like cringy one dimensional yeah. action movie cliche. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't love the dialogue for sure. It was, and it wasn't one of those things where I, it was so hammy that I was like, yeah, more. It was like, okay, like I get it, you know, and it's fine if she's serving the greater purpose. And for me, the greater purpose was Kiki Lane's character, Niall, who I thought was great. I'm super interested in like how these characters come about and then sort of reckoning with their eternal futures. That's super insane to me and super cool. So I was focusing on, I was focusing on her mostly. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting if they would have gone back a little bit more into the other characters and how they dealt with it their first time. Like, those would have been fun flashbacks. Yes, I bet you will get those in the future. Right, which is annoying because this is the movie that they released now, and I can't judge this movie on the prequel that may or may not come. No, totally. Yeah, But But you can rejudge it later. Yeah, I will. No, because this movie will still be a stand... Like, standing alone, this movie has no legs. And if you need a prequel to make a movie good, then was it ever good? Right. And that's just for you. And you and I disagree just personally because I think it did work. But also, I want to talk about one. Can we talk about the he's not my boyfriend scene? Oh, yeah. I loved that scene so yeah, much. Yeah, that was that was cool. If you haven't seen the movie, there's a scene where, where Joe and Nikki, who are two, those are, Nikki can be a girl's name. It's a boy's name in this scenario. They're two of the immortals. They get captured. And we we've learned that they're in a relationship. They have been for centuries. And these guards are just like making fun of him because I think Joe's trying to make sure Nikki's okay. And one of the guards is like, what is he, your boyfriend? <laughs> You're gay. And he answers with like the most poetic, romantic response. I've, I did not expect it in this movie at all. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I, I like teared up a little bit. It was so sweet. And it's so funny that right at the end, they just grab each other and kiss. And then all the guards are just in shock. And there's a, <laughs> there's a beat before they pull him off. And it, right. it made me laugh so hard. It was that was a great scene. I thought. I think that maybe was the best scene in this movie. It was so fantastic. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Merrick, the the big CEO pharma bro guy, Harry yeah. Melling's character. I couldn't place him, and I kept being like, I said it to Gianna, I was like, is that uh, Neville Longbottom? And she's like, no, it's not Neville. And it turns out, yeah, it is. It's the kid that played Harry Potter's cousin. Dudley. That's funny. I just I didn't recognize him. He's got a very distinct face, but he's lost a ton of weight from that character and is like looks like a little hollow version of of the chunky boy Dudley, but Yeah. That is whatever. That character. Like the again, the skeletal plot of this is fine. It's super predictable. So whatever. Yeah. That's fine. And yeah, and as in a plot that predictable, you have I'm isn't she Academy Award winner, Charlie's Theron? Oh she, yeah. She yeah. Like she can act her ass off. Yes. Like she was so underutilized in this movie. She could yeah. have made this movie so much better if they'd given her more to work with. And that's what I was looking forward to. That's like, fair. like her work in atomic blonde. And this is like piggybacking, like skipping like a stone to this next action movie. Like, is she going to become an action star now? And now I'm yeah. like, kind of probably not because this was just flat. Like, I think she needs to like write and direct her own movie mm-hmm. where she can actually act and have depth and decent lines because every time she spoke i just got like a bit more jaded towards this movie mm-hmm. what do you think of the fight scenes in general the fight choreography and just the combat they were solid but like it's all done man it's all been done yeah. so much yeah. like you need more or, that's kind of like part of the bones of the movie it's like checking the box of an action movie like John Wick has set the bar here, so uh-huh. we have to have this type of action and this type of combat. Like you can see that influence even on movies like Harley Quinn. Oh yeah, like that type of combat is just filmed differently now because 
once in a generation movies and the film series like John Wick come along and raise the bar. Yeah. So again, that's just like, you know, a part of the bones of this movie, what makes it good or bad or all the things that you attach to those bones and the roles around it. And that's where my disappointment came in because they checked all the right boxes with the action, with the blood and the gore and yeah. all the fun, you know, all that stuff you want in an action movie and explosions and falling mm-hmm. and from high buildings and stuff. But it's all the other stuff, the, the the unteachables, the intangibles, a coach might say in sure, sports. Sure, you either uh, have it thing, or you don't. You either have it or you don't. Can't and teach you know that. what? You can't teach it. <laughs> you, you know, you can write it poorly. Yeah, all right. Well, And yeah, it bummed me out, man. You got anything else on it? And it could have been good. That's the fucking thing, man. <laughs> like, it could have been good. It had the recipe to be great. All right. Bummed me out. Fair enough. Well, that's the old guard again. Check it out on Netflix if you want. Let us know what you think of any of the stuff we've covered today. You can email us. That's probably the best way. If you want to say more than a few sentences, we'd appreciate hearing from you. Uh, The show wouldn't be what it is without Bailey Minardi. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. And we will see you next week with our movie, Palm Springs. That's right. Spoiler alert. That's what we're doing next week. Tune in on Hulu. Watch that stuff and listen to us talk about it next week. Until then, goodbye. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.